I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace. I'm Mitchell Boone, and you're listening to The Day After Sunday. A brief but nerdy conversation about yesterday's worship at White Rock United Methodist Church. We talk about what caught our attention, stories we forgot to tell, and ways that we saw the Holy Spirit moving among us. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Mitchell. Happy day after day after Sunday. Yes, or also known as Holy Tuesday. Yes. Easter Tuesday. Easter Tuesday. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. It is, uh, it's good to be on the other side of the, the old Easter uh, worship service, you know? It always feels good, regardless of pandemic life or not. Well, it, uh, did you have a good day off yesterday? Yeah, yes. I, I tried to take it off. I did yeah. a little work. A little work during nap time, but... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, uh, it was nice to have a day off for sure. Yeah, for sure. Especially with the weather being as gorgeous as it I was. I know. Yeah. <clears throat> I like this little cold snap. Just a few more days before the heat yeah, comes. Yeah, me too. So. Although, honestly, I'm getting to where, like, I don't mind whatever the temperature is as long as it's sunny. We've talked about this many yes, times. Yes. I just love the sun. So. I know you do. It is. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's nice. It was a good day yesterday. What'd you do? What'd you do at home? Um, I, I did a little bit, I don't really enjoy taking entire days off. I would much rather take, um, like two half days than one full day. I don't know exactly why I just, that works better with my rhythm. So I took some time off yesterday. My, a good friend of mine has been doing uh, Facebook live workouts every mm-hmm. weekday morning mm-hmm. and she's calling it quarantine boot camp and so some friends of mine and I are getting on that like every morning and doing that which is awesome I legitimately missed it over the weekend so I was that's glad cool. to get back to that that's fun that's yeah good. that's good well yeah so let's talk about Easter worship um if y'all were uh, not unique. able to Easter week yeah holy week yeah. so uh obviously if y'all were not able to join us virtually um, you can still go back and watch and listen to all of our you worship can. services. Yeah. So we had uh, midday prayer Wednesday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and then two services on Easter. So we had a lot going on last week. Right. Um, and only we only had major technical difficulties once out of those five services, which I think is pretty good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four out of five? Up, four You'd out of five. You'd be in the Hall of Fame if you a, play, if you've added that in an entire career so i'll take it yeah i think that was a sports metaphor but sure yeah baseball um (laughs) so yeah we um holy week was obviously different this whole thing um will we won't ever forget i'm sure that one year that we had um an entire season of lynn essentially and all of holy week and easter um virtually but uh what a what a great week it was um with our folks and I'm really, um, I was really pleased with how things kind of came together from a logistical standpoint, but I was also really pleased by the engagement of our congregation and it felt, um, as authentic as it possibly could for us in terms of how we led and what we mm-hmm. did. And I think it, um, I think it was, uh, you know, we made the best of it and it was a good week and really well, good Sunday, really good Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I wanted to, I was giving this some thought during worship on Sunday mm-hmm. and then afterwards as well, um, just about how remarkable 
several churches that I know, several preachers that I know decided to preach from that Markin account. Yeah. Um, Many for the first time in their careers as pastors. Right. And just like you said, they usually like to lean into the more, um, the more complete or detailed stories that are found in Luke and John. Um, Well, I mean, you know, we have the resurrection account where, where Peter and uh, the beloved disciple are racing to the tomb and like everyone loves that text because it's so, um, it's so whimsical and it has this like just layer upon layer of meaning and like clearly the author has really put in a lot of thought. Like you don't get that with Mark at all. And right, um, right. Yeah, that text always is funny to me. Like the other disciple got there first. It's, it's like, <laughs> Mom, I won. You right, have to know totally. that I won. I just didn't go in the tomb. Right. It's so funny to me. Right. So um <laughs> yeah, I mean Mark Mark's the exact opposite of, of yeah. John. And um, and really very different than Matthew and Luke. Um, it's very concise and very um, sharp in terms of its like ending. And I think like um, it it does not uh, give us much satisfaction um, paired with the other three gospel accounts. Right. I mean, of course, yeah. if it was the only account we had, I'm sure we'd figure out something better to do with well, it. But since it's it's one of four and uh, it's got a little additional endings. We rarely look at Mark's text stopping at verse eight because it is so unsatisfying. Yeah. And I mean, very aptly, you said if that were the only one, we'd find something to do with it. I think that's what the early church did. That's why they added two endings. Totally. Um, But that made me think, you know, I relate everything in my life to music, obviously. And Mm -hmm. so um, I was really drawn to, and if our listeners, you know, our musicians, um, hopefully you'll find this interesting like I did, the the notion that we always seek resolution, like we don't like things that are unresolved. And so in music, um, I was just thinking of that in terms of things that are, you know, we expect them to end on a certain chord mm-hmm. and then they go somewhere else. It's called a deceptive cadence. Um, so you expect like this very final um bum bum and it's ending and you right. know it's done even a non-musician can tell like okay that's the end of the song right. and what's called a deceptive cadence it goes somewhere different than you expect right. um and it keeps you guessing uh it says like is that the end or is there another phrase coming uh or like the other thing i thought of was an an ending of a song that just doesn't resolve it's not deceptive it's just incomplete so mm-hmm. if it's in c major um and the the song ends on an a minor chord for, for no reason other than that that composer chose not to fully resolve it. Um, right. That's what that feels like to me, is Mark's author was choosing not to resolve the song. Um, and it's up to us to either be okay with that and figure out what that minor chord means to us when we'd prefer right. a neat ending. Or in the story ourselves, right? <clears throat> or in the story ourselves. And that's yeah. the typical kind of like Mark and um, plo- like preacher ploy is like, we are the story, like we yeah. are the ending to the Mark's um, text, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that yeah, that's a really great homiletical kind of uh, tool there to say like this is unsatisfying because it is not the end. Uh, yeah. We are living proof that that's not the end of the story. Um, but I also think the author of Mark was um, was being very honest about, um, you know 
what must have been uh, the the case on the ground after Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. There would have been no resolution to that. And we know there's really no resolution for a really long time in terms of how people are gathering. Um, Even texts that, that kind of spread the story out. We still know that they're living in fear, right? We get this account of, of Thomas and Thomas is like, no, I'm out. I'll see y'all later. Y'all, y'all, y'all can stand behind these locked doors as long as you want, but they were behind locked doors. And right. And that's where Jesus appears to them. Um, I almost brought that in. Um, but it, I didn't want to overcomplicate it because Mark's account is not that complicated it is unsatisfying. And I think that's a really good thing because if we find immediate satisfaction with the Easter story, we're less likely to, um, to wrestle with, with what the resurrection means on a daily basis. And we're much more likely to treat this Sunday as like, um, a one-time event on an annual kind of basis where we kind of get, uh, our, uh, our, our fix of God's miraculous work in the world. And then we kind of like can slide back into our normal routines and our normal way of thinking. And if we really sit with Mark for long enough, we realize like, ugh, it's a little more messy than we, um, we want, right. An empty tomb's an empty tomb. Um, and that's awesome. But that doesn't mean that, uh, (laughs) that doesn't mean that Jesus resurrection is, um, completes the story. And yeah. Yeah. And I've seen specifically this year, I've seen a lot of, um, preachers, writers, theologians talking about how we can, much like I said in the call to worship, right? We can find more um, shared emotion with the first disciples maybe than never before, um, maybe than we were ever able to grasp in our current modern American culture of feeling uncertain and fearful and confused. Um, But also the parallel of like the empty tomb and our empty churches. So like mm-hmm. having empty churches as kind of a shell um, somehow symbolizes that life is continuing. We are choosing to do this to preserve and mm-hmm. further healthy life in our communities. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't think of um, in my lifetime, um, I can't think of a scenario where communally we are experiencing the same kind of um um, environment and, and what kind of would be the closest thing to, to the, to the earliest Christians or followers of Jesus. Maybe, um, you know, maybe individual individuals can have like an Easter that, um, you know, maybe if it depends on health or maybe a relationship, or maybe there is this kind of like really angsty kind of awful, Thing that's happening in, in a personal life that maybe get, gets people close to the story in a roundabout way, but like in our lifetime, probably not. Maybe, maybe World War One or World War Two for like soldiers that were like in in the foxhole or I can't. I can see war being a really interesting parallel of yeah. like being like buried down and like um, I can see maybe Spanish flu, right? I could you know, but for us. I did, there's nothing there's nothing that even comes close to to really kind of pushing us towards the story as probably first told or first experienced by um by followers of Jesus um yeah, yeah and I think it's a really unique powerful thing and I hope we don't lose sight of the opportunity that's also presented in it that um that when we do come back we come back with a little more awareness of what it means to be a part and a little more 
a grace for for one another when we are in the midst of anxiety and fear and um and we trust that that the story is still sufficient and um i i just hope we come out of this a little more kind towards one another and offer a little more um grace and space for folks to kind of like feel what they need to feel and and think what they need to think and um and I think Mark, as I said in my sermon, I think Mark gives us that permission, right? Because there is no like final ending. There is a space for us to kind of bring our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts with us to the text because clearly the three women don't um don't get it or don't or are too overcome with emotion to actually uh do what the, what the divine messenger has asked them to do. I mean, there's all this like um it's unresolved in, in where Jesus ends up. It's also unresolved because the women don't, don't do what they were asked to do. You know, what's funny though. Um, you, you being you, I have to ask this question. You don't watch movies like normal people watch. Have you seen, um, Pirates of the Caribbean? I mean, maybe, uh, when I was like in ninth grade, when did it okay, come out, sure. when that thing come out? Probably when we were in the Johnny night. Depp. That's not the point, though. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what that reminded me of, though, and I've never thought about this before. This is just coming to me now. It says like the women went away and told, and said nothing to anyone. Mm-hmm. In Pirates of the Caribbean, there's this line where um, people are saying, "Oh, the Black Pearl. Uh, they're so brutal as pirates. They never leave any survivors." The stories all say, and Johnny Depp says, "No survivors. Where do the stories come from then?" Right. Right. And so I, you know, it's just interesting. Like, if the women didn't tell anybody, how do we have the story? Right. Yeah. 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 Them? Totally. You know? Totally. So uh, there's this like, yeah. there's this mysterious non-ending, um, of like it's very purposefully left unresolved. Right. It's on. Yeah. It's on an A minor chord instead of a C major. I mean, I mean, we assume that um, if the women didn't tell anyone. Uh, which is not true. They they eventually would, right? But right. It, but let's say they don't. Uh, it doesn't mean that Jesus does not still go to Galilee and appear, right? right? right. And so, um, I, yeah. That just, it, that just made me chuckle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the loophole in the story is interesting to me. Um, I also, though, I wanted, I meant to, to talk about this last week, and we got um, sidetracked talking about different things in Palm Sunday worship, but the... Um, the meaning of the word Alleluia. So we we said that a lot yesterday. We said mm-hmm. that in the first hymn uh, several dozen times. We said mm-hmm. it in the call to worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you referenced it in like what the early disciples would say to each other, like Christ is risen. Christ is mm-hmm. risen indeed. Alleluia. Mm-hmm. Um, so the meaning of Alleluia is uh, praise ye God. Yeah, praise, praise God. Yeah. And so um, there's this very interesting and i'm sure you know this but maybe our listeners don't um like in many traditions throughout history there is a practice of what's called burying the alleluia um which is like at the beginning of lent they have a an actual service Mm -hmm. where they sometimes physically take a banner or a picture Mm -hmm. um, or an icon that says alleluia out into their churchyard and physically bury it um and then they commit to not using the word Alleluia for the entirety of Lent so that in an intentional fast so sure. that when they get to Easter and they sing these songs that just say over and over Alleluia, 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 praise God, um, that it feels fresh and it feels new. Like, oh, we haven't gotten to say this right. word. Um, I don't know. That was just really striking me because as we've said several times this year, 
has has been such a different Lent. Um, we've given up so much, even if we weren't planning to, um, even if we didn't go into the Lent season saying, I'm going to give up sweets or I'm going to give up social media. Um, our lives just were upended. And so even though we're not going back to normal, I think a lot of us thought that Easter was kind of going to be the last Sunday of uh, weirdness and then we would go back to normal. And we're going to see that that's not the case going forward. We're going to have to figure right. out a new normal. Um, I just still hold on to this word, this alleluia of like, this is a fresh word. This is a fresh season that we can jump into. Yeah. I mean, it is mentally, I think, it's a nice um, turning of the page. Um, mm-hmm. It also gets us out of the season of Lent, right? I mean, we are now out of Lent. And although uh, uh, we still feel probably like we are in Lent in a lot of ways, uh, spiritually we can begin moving ourselves out. And I think when we can pair the liturgical calendar with the needs that we have, that's mm-hmm. when like things can really like, um, fire on all cylinders for us and we can be spiritually nourished by by the work of of the church um, especially around worship and so I think that we need this season this Easter this Easter tide season this kind of movement from from the grave to to Pentecost and I I'm looking forward to it I know that as a preacher and as we design worship it's it's going to be a lot easier to design worship right now uh thematically uh, because yeah. it's not going to be as weighty. Yeah. There's going to be some opportunity to, yeah, l- what does it mean to kind of lean into hallelujah, right? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to like also continue to say Hosanna, right? Because we still need right. to say that as well in comparing right. and contrasting those, but also maybe saying those in the same breath and in mm-hmm. the same sentences and the same songs because we are giving thanks to God and we're still kind of trapped in our realities, right? So we do mm-hmm. need God to save us or God help us or, but we also need, um, we also need to give thanks to God that God has not abandoned us and God has done some work on our behalf. And I think like there's some really interesting interplay that can happen, um, as we, as we kind of move from, from Easter morning through the season of Easter, it'll be a, a really, I think an important time for us as a church. Sure. So. Yeah. So, so Hosanna meaning save us, right? right. A lot of us think, um, there's even been some misunderstanding in, in song and hymnody that Hosanna means praise God or thank you, God, for saving us. But that jumps the gun a little bit, right? Is that what you were saying? It totally. actually isn't a question. Hosanna means like, please save us. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, there are some some other interpretations of the word that I don't think are like poor. But, yeah, like when I think of that word. Um, I think of it as a, as a both plea and an expectation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, and it's, it's open-ended. Yeah. It's not necessarily a question or I guess plea is, is probably the wrong word. It's, it's more like a, a statement of fact, right? Like I, God, I need you to save me. Um, mm-hmm. or I need you to save us. It's, it's not really a, will you, or please. It's more of a, it's more, I don't know. Um, it's more strong, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's probably closer to what, what the psalmist, um, write over and over Mm -hmm. again, right? It's kind of desperation and, and expectation that, that God is actually going to do that work. I think we carry that with us. 
and we recognize that God has already done the work and will continue to do the work because God is at work. And that gets back to my, my sermon is that like, this is really a promise that God is at work in the world, regardless of how we feel about it or where we see it, or, or even if we believe it, that, that really doesn't, that doesn't negate Easter morning. And that's good news for us because it's easy to look around and be like, where is God? Right, right. And I know we're almost out of time, but, uh, in Christ the Lord is risen today, our hymn that I, I open almost every Easter Sunday with just because I think it is such an incredible statement of theology of Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, in the la- in the fourth stanza, there's six stanzas we sang for, um, it says, you know, made like him, like him we rise, ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me yesterday talking through the, the gospel of Mark is that Easter does not save us from the cross and the grave. It right. just also promises us the skies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We are not, we have to go through that crucible mm-hmm. of, uh, of Monday, Thursday, good Friday, uh, to get to Easter morning. There is no avoiding it. And, um, that, uh, that seems especially astute on, uh, in the midst of context like this in a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, good Sunday, though, and uh, really, like I said, uh, we kind of gathered after worship. Um, we've been doing this kind of like keeping our distance but having a little meaning. Um, yeah. I'm, and, and like I told you all, I'll tell everyone else, I'm just really proud of the staff and the work that we've been doing. It's um, I'm really proud of, of everyone kind of chipping in and making sure we're, we're not not missing a beat, at least uh, not missing a beat because of um, our own, you know, inability or, or anxiety or, or kind of frustration. I, we may miss a beat cause we can't get a zoom to work, but, uh, <laughs> but everyone's been really uh, pitching in well, and I'm really yeah. proud of, of how we're trying to be the church in the midst of this. And so, um, yeah, I, I think folks have responded well and yeah. I hope they, uh, they continue to stay engaged. I'm really grateful to our staff, but also more so even to our community, just the, no. the incredible engagement that, that you all have had. So yeah. thank you all for People have been tuning in super and engaged. listening and reaching out to your neighbors and being, being the church. Definitely. Well, we'll do this thing again uh, next Monday. Sounds good. All right. Y'all take care. You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.